Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Hey, Radiant Church, it's Pastor Aaron here, and I am so glad that you are here for part four of our series called Life Hacks. I hope you have loved finding clever ways to solve complicated problems. If you missed any of the last few weeks' messages, make sure you watch them on our YouTube page. But today we have an amazing honor of having Pastor Jason Burns and Liz Burns come and bring a message that I truly think is gonna transform your life. I'm gonna be back with you next Sunday for the finale of our Life Hack series, so you're not gonna wanna miss it. But how about you do this? At every location, we're gonna make Pastor Jason and Liz feel incredibly loved. They are the senior pastors of Access Church, one of the greatest churches in Florida. We love them. They have an amazing testimony of how God has moved in their marriage and in their family, and it's gonna transform your life. So right now, every location, St. Petersburg, downtown, South Tampa, do me a favor, stand to your feet, and let's go wild and crazy as we honor Pastor Jason and Liz to the stage today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You can be seated, you can be seated. What's up, everybody? Welcome to church. It is good to be with you. You learned how to make a grilled cheese. If you get nothing else, it has been worth it. We are so honored to be with you. My name's Jason. This is my wife, Liz. We hail from the the thriving metropolitan area of Lakeland, Florida, where all culture comes from. We we love you guys. We really do. This is like our church home away from home. I've spoken here the last several years. I feel like, I don't know why, but I just keep getting invited back. And I love you, and every time I'm here, it's so different. It's like you keep growing, keep opening locations. You've got St. Petersburg, downtown, Brandon. I don't know what's next. Like I said last time I was here, you're going to partner up with Elon Musk and plant the first location on Mars because you guys are just killing it. I love it, love it, love it. And the reason it feels like God is blessing so much is because he's entrusted to you some amazing leaders. And we just want to say, like, Liz and I love Pastor Aaron and Katie. We just absolutely love them. Aaron is a dear friend of mine. He serves as an overseer at my church. We are both doing our our doctoral degrees together at the same time right now. Yeah, I have no idea how he does it, managing everything. But what an amazing leader you have. And here's the principle. I don't want you to miss this, that the things in your life that you take for granted ultimately will exit your life. And I just don't want you to miss the blessing of God of being in an amazing church like this. He's watching right now. Will you do me a favor at all the locations? Would you just celebrate and honor your pastors, everybody? Well, Liz and I are blessed with an amazing family. We have three beautiful kids. Their names are Joey, Gavin, and Ella. Joey is 11. Gavin is eight, and Ella is, she's my favorite. I'm going to be honest about that. No, you're not supposed to have a favorite, but everybody does, and I just own it. Oh, my God. And she, look at her face. She clearly knows what she has done in this family. Yeah, she has my heart and my wallet. She knows what's up. Oh, that head tilt. You can't teach that. That's genetic. And so we just, we just love our life, we love our family, and today we're going to bring you a message that I hope will really help you. You've been in a series called Life Hacks, and we want to teach you about some of the most important relationship hacks that you can make, but more specific than relationship, we want to talk about marriage and how marriage is an important deal. In fact, just out of curiosity at all the locations, how many of you are married? You are married? Okay. Look, great, great, great. How many of you are currently not married? Hold it up there, leave it up. Scan the room quickly, boys. Here's your moments. Yeah. 
trying to hook you up. Life hack. Marriage is a huge deal. In fact, I'll say it to you like this. I think the reason marriage is such a big deal is it's one of the church's great testimonies to an increasingly dark world. In a world where over 50% of marriages end in divorce, I think the church should rise up. It should buck all the trends and all the statistics, and it should be a voice to a world who desperately needs to experience the love of God. That's what it should be. And so marriage is a huge deal. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul gives us really the principle. This is the groundwork for how marriages should be. And here's what he says. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That this word submit is this interesting word because it's kind of two words put together. Sub means below. And mit is the root of the word mission. Now what that simply means is that every person has a mission for their life. And in a God-honoring marriage, your responsibility should be to push each other to fulfill the mission, the call, the plan, the purpose of God for the other person's life. You come underneath their dreams. You come underneath their hopes. And you push them to achieve those things. That's what it should look like. Now, a few years ago, I was teaching at our church. And I was going to talk about marriage and on the way out that morning, um, I, I leave early in the morning on Sundays to get ready for church. And so I was leaving early, and, and Liz was still in bed, and because I'm just way more spiritual than she is. And I. Uh, Maybe you need more time to work on it. Like some of us just are more spiritual. Oh. <laughs> that got like a very mixed review because people are like, I don't think we should clap for that. No, it's and weird. that's honestly, that's okay. I understand. Super weird. But Liz was laying in bed, and I was kind of still struggling with what the message is, because if you don't know what you're going to preach about on Sunday morning, you're in trouble. And so I said to her, I was like, babe, um, what is love? Like, well, really, what is love? And this is a question that brilliant philosophers, the likes of Plato and Aristotle and Taylor Swift, have wrestled with <laughs> for years. It's like, what is, what is love? And without even blinking, she's just like half asleep, and she goes, mm. Love is you before me. And I was like, dang, if you got that and you were asleep, how smart are you when you were awake? Unbelievable. So that's what we want to talk to you about. Love is you before me. And so usually when you come to an awesome church like Radiant, you want to preach this really big message, this huge message. And we don't have that for you. We've got a really, really simple message of three practical things that you can do in your marriage. If you're here and you're single, put this in the medicine cabinet of your life because you're going to need it at some point. We have three simple hacks that we believe can transform all marriages. Well, so the first hack we want to give you today is number one, kill unrealistic expectation, okay? Woo, right? It's just, this is a big deal. Expectation is interesting because they sneak in. You don't know you had expectation until the expectation goes unmet. And then suddenly you go, I had an expectation about how that would go. It wasn't this, okay? We have expectations about all areas of our life. And an expectation is really just how you think something will go, right? In our marriage, I think we had some really interesting beginnings. Six months into our marriage, I got cancer. And so my husband and I walked through my chemotherapy. For our, that was our first year of marriage. That was not an expectation or not how we thought it would go. And that was how our marriage went. Everybody has different expectations for different things in their lives, some of them normal and reasonable some of them odd. I, for example, for some reason had gotten a very strange expectation in my mind of what the day I gave birth would look like. 
Um, so, which, yes, you know where this is already going. So I had seen this picture of my mother growing up and she was holding me the day I was born and it is like so like flossy and glossy and she looks amazing. Her hair is blown out. It's like incredible and she's just looking at me and I'm looking at her and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Like this is literally what I'm gonna do. So my birth didn't go that way. Um, my first born son, God love him, was a nine pound, two ounce baby. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and the day he was born, it had just been like four million hours of labor. And there's no, I do have permission from my husband to share this, but there's no really kind way to say this other than that Jason passed out. <sighs> okay. Okay. So, and it wasn't like a dainty lady from the 1400s passed out on a couch. It was like a timber. Yeah. Literally, he hit the heart rate monitor, I guess, and like he had a big thing up his back to where like hospital security's in there. So he passes out as the baby's coming out, and the first word our son hears coming into the world is an expletive from my doctor. Wait, 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 wait. Technically, the first word the baby heard from the doctor was oh, the and second then, word was an expletive. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. So the baby comes out and like two or three nurses go with the baby, which is protocol from what I understand. They're cleaning the baby. But then two and three additional nurses come to take care of Jason. It was a really hard day for me, yeah. okay? <laughs> Birth is beautiful, but not pretty, not pretty. Literally, the, I, I just remember I'm looking over, I see the nurses cleaning the baby. I'm sort of still foggy. I look over, I see some nurses tending to Jason. And then one of them's like, oh honey, do you want some, can we get you some juice? And I was just like, I would love a beverage. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if they were like taking orders. Like I didn't know if somebody was doing a Starbucks run. Like I just didn't know if that was protocol. So I was just like, I'd love a cranberry juice. Like I didn't, but no, they just, like, there was three nurses with him, three with the baby. And I always say that's the perfect intro in motherhood because it's no longer about you. Um, <laughs> but that was obviously not how I had expected the day to go. And we do that. You guys are living in a Pinterest world. I, for one, am highly grateful Pinterest was not around when we planned our wedding because literally like you'd had your wedding and then like maybe six months later you got your pictures. That's how it was when we got married. Now you have like immediate, like it's live. It may be live. Like it may happen before you do it like somehow but there is so much pressure for things to turn out so well and you all have to have like these gorgeous weddings but expectations are just strong like that it's hard and the, the scary and creepy thing about expectations is they creep in when you don't know they're happening so whether it is those pictures those Pinterest ideas um, social media is massive for this because like you just saw that gorgeous picture of our family like you didn't see the 47,000 pictures where my son like we have one son who literally you'll say smile for a picture and he goes Every time, I'm like, what is that? That is the most creepy, unnatural. Do you have that? It's always the middle child. There's something weird about you guys. But um, no, I'm just kidding. But it's just like he can't naturally smile. So it, there's, there's expectation, and we do it too. I don't post the weird pictures. I post the pretty ones, right? You don't know that it took 47,000 pictures to do that. We see that in, we do that with marriages. It's, it's interesting, but I'm going to call y'all out. There's some things that we're watching on TV. There's some movies that we're going to see, y'all that are, are giving us that this is an idea of what normal marriage is. This, this is what it is, and we're feeding our heart and our spirit and our mind with these things that before we know it and without our permission are setting up expectations 
for us. And then you start to look at your husband and go, well, my man doesn't, or he says, my woman doesn't do this. And it's odd, and all of a sudden, you're setting yourself up for failure because whether it be through social media, movies, books, whatever it is that you're putting in your heart and mind, you've set expectations for yourself, and now they've gone up unmet, and it's a marriage killer, literally. Yeah, just think about the very beginning of a marriage, the wedding day. It's so unrealistic to begin with. I mean, you go on a crash diet to fit into the dress or to fit into the tux, right? Right? Like the, the woman wears so much makeup on the day, she looks like she lost a paintball fight. Like, it's just a weird, it's, it's a weird How day. How dare Not you? you. Not this. <laughs> I not really uh, that much. But the whole day is just unrealistic to begin with, and it sets us up for some unrealistic expectations because here's what happens. When you walk down the aisle, every person has hopes and dreams. They have a picture, this aspiration of what it's going to look like when they're married. And, and then when you say, I do, and exchange the rings, what happens is you, when you exchange your ring, you also exchange something else, which is you exchange the hopes and the dreams for expectations, and you lay them on the back of your spouse, and it is so unfair to them. Here's the reason it's unfair. If you have an amazing spouse like I do, Liz is unbelievable. She's a great mom. She's a great wife. She's great in everything she sets her heart to. And if you have a great spouse like I do and you set expectations on them, you create a debt and a debtor relationship. You say, what does it mean? When you set expectations for someone, even if they meet all of your expectations, and whatever your expectations are, if it's cooking or cleaning or paying the bills or earning the money or doing the yard work, like whatever it is, if they meet all of your expectations, all they've done is gotten back to even with you. You got a debt and a debtor relationship. And here's what happens. Expectation says you owe me, but that's not love. Expectation says you owe me. Love says you before me. It's your needs. And we live in a world where the game is get to the top, like, like climb the corporate ladder, become the best, and step on anyone you have to to get what you want. We, we face a culture that says get your needs met because this is all about your needs. And so we buy into this lie that our feelings are real. Your feelings aren't real. They're indicators, but they're not reality. And so what happens in a God-honoring marriage, what you do is you say it's you before me. It's your needs before my needs. Now, here's what I've experienced. As a pastor of a church that's grown where I've done so many weddings and I've done so much premarital counseling for people. Here's what I've experienced. I've seen a lot of couples get divorced. I have never seen a couple get divorced where they said, it's always you before me. It's your needs before my needs. So what we have to do, the first hack, is we have to kill expectation, kill, kill unrealistic expectation. Hey, here's the second hack if you're taking notes is this. We have to stop fighting dirty. We have to make this decision to stop fighting dirty. Now, I just said I've done a lot of premarital counseling, and if I had 30 minutes with the couple before they got married, if I could only share, like, two simple thoughts with them, it would be this. The first thing is marriage is not a contract. We live in a culture that treats marriage like a contract. Think about what a contract does. Think about your cell phone contract. A contract limits my responsibilities and it protects my rights. It limits my responsibilities and it protects my rights. But in a contract, there's always an exit penalty. Like if you break your cell phone contract early, you pay a fee and then you go your separate way. That's how culture tends to view marriage, which is I'm going to be in this as long as my needs are getting met. I'm going to be in this as long as you're taking care of me. But the moment I feel like my needs are not met, I rip up the contract. I pay whatever the fee is. We split up the kids. We split up the house and all of our assets. And then we go our separate ways. That's how culture views marriage, but God views it totally differently. In God's economy, marriage 
is a covenant. A covenant is something profoundly different. A covenant is a forever promise, a solemn, holy, sacred, forever promise. It's a covenant between two people and God. In a covenant, you give up your rights, and you actually pick up responsibility. That's the first thing I would say. And in a covenant, the only way out of the marriage is till death do us part. The, the word divorce is not even an option. You don't joke about divorce in a covenant marriage. And so if that's the case, if you're in a marriage till death do us part, then the second part of it that's important is this. We have to learn how to communicate because we're going to have some issues. We're going to have some differences of opinions. We're going to see some stuff differently. When we got married, the stuff we argued about was so silly. We, we fought about what kind of milk that we should get. I believe in whole milk. Liz believed in skim milk, which in my family is just water that's got a little food coloring in it. Like, I don't do that. We fought about the temperature in the house at night. Wait, if we're honest, we still fight about the temperature in the house whatever, at night. <laughs> like 15 years in. But yeah, yeah. We, we, we fought about toilet paper. Like silly things we fought about. We just disagreed about these things. And over time, what happens is those things you disagree about, they get so much bigger. Now, here's what we've discovered in 14 years into marriage. We've discovered that there's two different personality types when it comes to the way that we communicate with each other. The two are what's called a short account person, and then the second one is someone who is an internalizer. So. Yeah, I'm a short account person, which basically means, and is correct, obviously the better way to fight, I'm just kidding, um, but a uh, short account person is basically somebody that if they're upset, they're going to tell you they're upset. So it's good in that you don't really ever wonder where we're coming from, but it's bad in that not everything needs to be a battle, right? <laughs> That's something we can work on. And it's the total opposite of Jason, who is the internalizer. Yeah, so like a short account person in our marriage, this is what it would look like. My wife would say, hey, babe, your sock's on the floor. And I would say, cool, I'll get it. Don't worry about it. I got you, boo. I'll take care of this. It's like, okay, um, it's been like four seconds, and your sock still on the floor. And I'm like, girl, I got this. You don't have to remind me every six months. I got this. Don't worry. And she's like, but it's still on the floor. What is wrong with you? Just pick up the sock and move it the 12 inches from the floor to the hamper. What is wrong with you, right? That's how it tends to work. I'm more of an internalizer. What an internalizer does is it sees the sock on the floor and thinks, that's kind of annoying. I wish she would just pick up her sock and put it in the hamper, but, but I don't really say anything about it because really it's not that big of a deal. It's just a sock on the floor. The pro is that not everything's a huge deal and not everything needs to get dealt with. The con is people like me back in the day when I would argue about stuff, six months later we'd be having an argument about something silly and I would say, and six months ago your sock was on the floor. What is wrong with you? So internalizers hold on to things far too long. Both extremes are detrimental in relationships and in marriage because both extremes fight dirty. The goal should be that we work to meet each other in the middle so that we're communicating in a way where the message is sent and the message is received. Yeah, how many of you have ever taken the five love languages test? Okay, good. So many. Um, so the five love languages test is basically just somebody smarter than me came up with this idea that all of us have one of five ways in which we like to receive love. And there's five of them. There's gifts. There's acts of service, um, uh, words of affirmation, physical touch, and thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Quality time. So 
I have discovered along the way, it's, it's a kind of a cool test because it short, sort of shows you how you like to receive love. And I discovered along the way that my number one uh, love language was gifts. I like gifts and it doesn't have to be monetary. It's just that I like knowing that you thought of me. So my primary is gifts and my secondary is words of affirmation. Yeah, and um, my top two are physical touch. And then um, number two is uh, touch me again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what's up. That's right. You always make it so weird. <laughs> I'm so we're guests here. This is weird. Okay. I've enjoyed our last time speaking at Radiant. Thank you Church. so much, Radiant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Jesus. So a lot of people have made this problem in the five love languages, and that they found out what their love language is, and they stopped right there. But you never went further and tried to discover what your spouse's love language was, how they wanted to receive love. And isn't it true that unless you send a message and the person gets it, it's not a message? Does anybody else have a texter friend who is a terrible texter backer? And you send the text, and two days later, you're like, girl, what would, were you free to do that thing? She's like, oh, I thought I texted you back. Well, you didn't. Oh, I texted you back in my head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, since I'm not there. Um, or she says, oh, I typed it up, but I never hit send. What is that? Like, I, that is the weirdest thing. And it doesn't, it's not really, it wasn't communication, was it? Because I never got it. So she sent it and she thought she sent it, but I never received it. And it's true about love. Love isn't love until it's given and received. And that's how all of this and with our communication breakdown, especially in fighting and all those things. See, love uh, in fighting, when you're fighting dirty, you're fighting in your marriage. When you're fighting and, and stop fighting dirty, you're fighting for your marriage. So fighting dirty says me before you, and fighting in your mar- for your marriage says you before me. And the third hack we want to give you, the last one, is this. Uh, we want to uh, live with boundaries. <laughs> boundaries, this sounds like a fun one, but it is, because some of you will wake up one day in your marriage and realize you never set a boundary to begin with, right? A boundary is really just a line that says we won't cross this line, we won't do this. We have a few that we've been really adamant about in our relationship. Time is a huge one. Um, in ministry, life is really hard. People are always, you know, you get pulled in a lot of different directions. But we have a family, too, and we never want it to be that we're standing up in front of you one day with a great ministry and a home life that's a mess, right? So we're really protective of our time at home. So to the point where people will say, can we get together at 7.30 on Wednesday night? We're like, no, that's, you know, that's our family time. We've also both set a boundary that we don't, we just are never alone with someone of the opposite sex. It's just, that sounds extreme maybe, but it is just something we have set in place so that we never have to cross that boundary. And really, boundaries are there not to keep you from something, but to protect that marriage and to protect the sanctity of what we believe is that covenant. Yeah, so so Liz and I, we built a brand new house in Lakeland just a couple years ago, and it was our dream home, and we saved a ton of money, worked really hard, and we built this beautiful house, brand new, and um, a couple months into living in this house, that was our sanctuary, that was our place of refuge, we, we started hearing at night this weird scratching sound in the walls, and we thought to ourselves, it's probably just the wind blowing through, and the vents are just new, and that's what the sound is, so we excused it. And then a few weeks later, we started noticing there was these little things on the floor that looked like oregano. I was oregano. I'm Italian, so that's always my first guess. I'm like, oh, who knocked over the oregano? I don't know. That happened in my home growing up, so it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 
And, and then there were little scraps of paper on the floor. We started noticing holes in the food in our pantry. We started blaming the four-year-old girl. Yeah. We were like, Ella, uh, you getting into the snacks again? She was like, I'm really not. We're like, mm. <laughs> And everything was fine. There was still peace in our home, but it was just a little weird. But then there was this day. Now, every husband in the room knows that your wife has different types of screams. Like, like there's the scream, like, oh, my goodness, she picked him on The Bachelor. There's that scream. Um, Liz screams every time I walk into the room, and it's not for the reason I would hope. It's because I scare her every time I walk into the room. I've started, like, stomping my feet. I've started coughing on the way into the room. Nothing. This is, this is actually real. And then... Whatever is in her hand turns into a weapon. Like, there has been times where I'm like, girl, what are you going to do with a spoon? And she's just going to... I don't know until I need to know, but that will do with what I have to do. You know what I mean? Hot curling iron, whatever it is. But, like, six months into our marriage, she screamed this scream that I was like, my girl's under attack. I took off running, and I said, what? And she's on the furniture. She's not sitting. She's standing on the furniture, and she said, I saw one. And I said, one what? And she said, a mouse. And I was like, oh, what? <laughs> now, look, I'm tough, but mice scare me. They're gross. And, and so we did the thing that you do. We thought, well, there's certainly just one. That's what we've heard. We've heard one mouse, not mice, not plural, mouse. We found mouse in our house. And so I started setting up some traps, and we caught one, family. And um, it was bad. It was Don't really, laugh. This was very hard for us to was, talk about. It was traumatic. Still traumatic for me. And like, like, I'm not a murderer. I'm pro-life. I don't know what to do when you catch a mouse on a trap. And so... Anyway, so it was hard for us. So then, then we started calling companies that were like, we guarantee that we will eradicate all of your mouse problems. So we paid them money. At one point, Liz is like, I don't care how much it costs. Take another mortgage on the house. We cannot live here. I, I was this close to moving out. Yeah. She was threatening me with getting a cat. Do you know how serious that is? He doesn't like cats. I don't like cats. I think when God created dogs, he was like, cool. And when he created cats, he was like, ooh, my bad, whatever. So... Incredibly rude. It's true. It was bad. It was really bad. But then, then we hired a company. We hired several companies. This, we hired this company, and they come out, and they walk around our house with flashlights for like 20 or 30 minutes, and they're like, we figured it out. We know what the issue is. In our garage, there is a line where the, the pipes lead from the hot water heater into the laundry room. And where the pipes are, there's just like a small gap in the wall. And he said, here's, here's what's happening. You built this house where the mice probably used to live. They probably thought you built it for them. And so they're, they're just coming in through this little hole. Ten minutes later, they had it patched with concrete. And guess what happened to our mouse problem? We've it's been two years mouse-free. Give him praise! <laughs> Won't he do it? Think, I'm sorry. Think it Liz, is so real to me. I think Liz just caught the Holy Spirit right there. Uh, um, uh, the, the mouse problem was gone. Now, let me say this to you for just a moment, okay? For those few weeks that we had the mouse problem in our house, there was no rest in our house. The house that was created to be a sanctuary from the busyness of the world, it felt completely uneasy living at home. 
the moment we had a boundary, it created freedom and excitement and joy in our home again. Now, what's fascinating to me about boundaries is boundaries sounds like a negative thing, but the truth is boundaries create freedom. In fact, if you're an artist, here's what you know. If I were to say to you, paint the most beautiful picture of the sky ever, and that's all I told you, that's challenging. But if I said, here's a 16 by 24 canvas, paint for me the most beautiful picture of a sunset over Tampa Bay, if I were to say that to you, that gives you boundaries, and the boundaries are ultimately what create freedom. But when it comes to intimacy in our marriage, do you know what I want I want freedom. I never want my wife coming to our place of intimacy, our bedroom, thinking, you know, I really wonder where Jason was today. And I wonder who he was with. And I wonder these things. Because here's the truth. The truth is you can never be fully loved until you're fully known. And by creating boundaries, it creates a place where I am fully known. She knows everything about me, who I'm with, where I am. And you may say, well, that sounds sexist. You know what that sounds like to me? That sounds sexy to me because what I want is... I want there to be freedom and trust and joy. In the book of Ephesians, Paul says it like this, Ephesians 4.27. He says, do not give the devil a foothold. You know what a foothold is? Uh, We have two sons, Joey and Gavin. And a few years ago, Gavin, the 8-year-old, was chasing Joey, the 11-year-old, around the house. They were probably four years ago. They were running around the house. And Joey goes running, and he tries to get into his bedroom and slam the door behind him. But before he could, my son Gavin jammed his foot in the door before Joey could shut the door. And I just heard Gavin say, ha ha, sucker! (laughs) And that's when I knew I was doing a good job as a dad. And (laughs) trash talk is important. And here's what Gavin knew. Gavin understood that if he had his foot in the door, he had leverage and eventually he'd get in. Satan wants to destroy your marriage. He wants it because it's not just your marriage. It's your marriage plus generations of hurt. He wants to devastate your marriage. So if he gets a foothold, he has a way in. In the same way, this is the reason boundaries matter so much. You need to fight. You need to create very, very clear boundaries that protect you outside of your marriage and inside of your marriage. I'll just get really practical for a moment. This means outside of your marriage, your intimate relationship is no one else's business. It means that pornography, if that's a part of your life, it has to die in Jesus' name. It just has to stop because it's cancerous to your marriage. And inside of your marriage, you need to fight, fight, fight for freedom. That's the goal of a God-honoring marriage. I'll say it to you like this. So many of us make the mistake of settling for the immediate instead of sacrificing for the ultimate. So what does that what does it look like? The immediate is all about like getting my needs met. Let me say it to you kind of like this. Like how many times have you looked at someone's Facebook or social media and you thought, I wish I could go on a vacation like them? But, but you never have the resources to go. But if you were to look candidly at your bank account, you've gone to Starbucks like 35 times every single month. Well, that's, that's the immediate. That's triggering, by the way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's the immediate. That's me getting my need met right now instead of sacrificing short term for the ultimate. In the same way, in marriage, immediate says me before you. It's about getting my needs met. But the ultimate says you before me. The ultimate says, I'm fighting for our marriage, and I'm fighting for peace, and I'm fighting for joy, and I'm fighting for love, and I'm fighting for freedom. Why? Because that's the ultimate. You see, here's the ultimate. The ultimate is when you say, till death do us part, and it actually means, till death do us part. The the ultimate is you leaving a legacy of love for your children. The, The ultimate is you knowing that someday when your kids get married, they won't be a broken, fractured person that's looking for someone to complete them, but instead they will be a whole person, 100% looking for someone else, 100% to join their life together for the rest of their life. That's the ultimate. Look, let me say it to you as bluntly as I can. I believe God wants you to have a great, thriving marriage. 
Look, the stats say that 50% of marriages in our country end in divorce. If I told you today when you leave your location that if you go the route home that you normally go home, there's a 50% chance you will die in a fatal car accident. But when you leave today, there's another route you can take. It's a little harder, a little longer. It takes a few extra minutes to get home. There's a little more traffic on that route, but there's a 100% guarantee of your safety who of you would be crazy enough to take the route that leads 50% chance to devastation? And you know how many couples in America get married and they take the path that everyone else takes? It's the path that leads to devastation. What if instead the church rose up and said, there's a different path. I can make the decision to kill expectation. You don't owe me anything. I love you and your love is a gift and me serving you is my opportunity to show you love. That's what love is. It's you before me. It means, secondly, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop fighting dirty. Instead of trying to win the fight, I'm choosing to fight for our marriage, not fight in our marriage. And then finally, I'm going to set up clear boundaries to protect us. Not so that we can just have a protected marriage, but so that we can have a free, God-honoring, thriving kind of marriage. Now, look, this is hard. This is a really challenging thing to live out. But what would it look like if all of us made the decision to just lean in to say, God, I know this is challenging. I might need to have some awkward conversations on the way home. This is challenging, but you know what I know? I want that. I want to have the marriage that says, till death do us part, and it actually means till death do us part. A couple years ago, I had the privilege of speaking at the marriage vow renewal ceremony for my grandparents who celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary I was, I was like as close to them as I am to my wife, Liz, and, and I had them go through the vows, and instead of saying I do, they said I still do, and I called my grandparents, Papa and Mima, and I said, Papa, you may now kiss your bride, and they were sitting because they were too old to stand for that long, and they leaned over and they kissed, Then there was this awkward drool chain between them. <laughs> Super, I always make it weird, I know, but, but you know what I said to Liz when I walked back? I said, I I want that, not, not, not that, but I want, I want that. 60 years till death do us part. My grandmother passed away a year and a half ago, and I walked with my grandfather to her casket, and he looked at her and he said, for 61 and a half years, she's always been my girlfriend. That's what I want. That's what God wants for you. Will you bow your head and close your eyes and let's pray together. God, give us the courage to actually live this out. This is one of those things that's way easier to talk about than it is to do. But I really do believe that our marriages should be a testimony to the world around us. So give us the courage to lean in, to trust you, to honor one another, to, to realize that love is you before me. It's not about the immediate and getting my needs met, but it's about serving through love. God, I really do believe that out of this amazing church can come hundreds and hundreds of amazing marriages that serve as a testimony to the world around them. God, I pray for the marriages in this church. I pray your blessing on them. I pray for those who are single, that you'll give them the courage to stand up to a culture that says, meet your needs now, and instead may them have the courage to sacrifice in the immediate so they can experience the ultimate that you have for them. God, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. With your head still bowed and your eyes still closed, I don't care if you're here in South Tampa or you're watching in another location or watching online, if, you're, if you know you're not right with God today and you wanna make things right with God, whether that means you've never made a decision to let Jesus be the Lord of your life or maybe like so many Americans, you prayed a prayer when you were a kid but you've wandered away from it, 
regardless of where you are, if you know you're not right with God and you want to make things right with God now, would you just raise your hand and say, Jason, I'm in. When you pray, include me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All across this room. Thanks. We're going to pray. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. When I pray, I'm inviting you to pray with me. Now listen, praying a prayer only changes things if you mean it. So with your whole heart, would you repeat this and mean it? Would you say, Jesus, today I surrender my whole life to you. I'm yours. My past is yours. My present is yours. My future is yours. All of my hopes, all of my dreams, it's all yours. I give my life to you. You be the Lord of my life. You take over my life. You take control of my life. Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for me. Because you paid the price for my sins, now I can be forgiven. Now my heart can be made new. So Jesus, I lean in. I trust you to be the Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I'll live for you. I love you, Jesus. And I surrender all of me to you now. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Look up at me, everybody. We just had people pray to make that decision. Can we celebrate them in honor together? Amazing. Amazing, amazing. Come on, one more time. Let's give it those people that just made a decision today. So awesome. And hey, can... Radiant Church, can you do me a favor? Can we honor Pastor Jason and Liz for that incredible message today? Hey, if you're one of those people that just respond to this message and raise your hand that you were ready to accept Christ for the first time or maybe even rededicate your life, we're so happy for you. And we want to be able to help you in this journey in your relationship with God. And on that connection card we talked about earlier, on the back side of it, there's a section that says, My Decision Today. You could check on there that you accepted Christ, that you rededicated your life. You could drop it in the buckets in just a minute. We'd love to be able to send you some material in the mail to help you along in this. So we're so excited for you. And one more time, let's give it up for him one more time. Man, the best decision you could ever make. Well, hey, we're going to continue worshiping in our service with our, our generosity. And you'll see on the screens uh, on the side here that there are three ways to give. You can give right here in the service. You can give by text giving. You can give online like my wife and I do. And, and I just want you to know, because of your generosity, we're able to do so much around the world and around the country. But even right here in the Tampa Bay area, we're able to do so much because of your generosity. And, and if you think about it, just in this service right here, that this sermon was able to be streamed over to St. Pete into downtown, that a third of our church was able to witness what we got to see right here in those different locations. And listen, if we believe the stats are true, that 87% of this Tampa Bay area doesn't go to church anywhere, that we need to take advantage of technology to make sure that we're reaching people right where they're at. And when we launch Brandon in a few months, guess what? We're going to use the same thing. We're going to use the technology that because of your generosity we're able to do, that we're going to be able to stream that there. And we're going to see people, we're going to see this church continue to grow, numbers continue to grow of people who are coming to know the Lord simply because we're taking advantage of technology as a church and streaming it to all these different places. So thank you for being the most generous church. And listen, if you've never checked out one of our locations, if you live in St. Peter, you live in downtown, or you live in Brandon, make sure you go check out the, those locations. They're incredible and see exactly what your generosity is going towards. So thank you so much for that. And as the ushers prepare to come forward and pass the buckets, let me pray for this time of giving. And Father, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for the blessings that you've given to each and every one of us. And Father, we set this time aside in our service to give you back just a portion of what you've given us. Father, would you bless this money that it comes in, that it makes your name great, Father, here in Tampa Bay, around this country and around the world. So in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.